I want to talk to you this morning about the four faces of Jesus. And let's read this verse from Galatians 4.19. Thank you guys for getting to that so well. Just half a sentence from Paul. The second half of the sentence is obviously scripture important, but it's not related to this theme, so we'll cut it a little short. Galatians 4.19. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. The word formed there, very powerful word, the original language, it means uh, an inward reality that's reflected outwardly. Uh, an inward reality. It's not just a matter of the externals. It's not just a matter of the form in the sense that we usually think of it. You know, Stephen's in the form of a man kind of thing. But, but it's, it means an inner reality that is reflected uh, outwardly. Uh, I want to, I'll talk to you in a few moments about the four faces of Jesus. Let me tell you why uh, this has meant so much to me, and I think it will help some of you round out your spiritual lives. Uh, I I became a Christian in 1976, and I did so three days after arriving on the campus of a Christian university that was a charismatic Pentecostal university. Love charismatic Pentecostal movements. Don't misunderstand. But as you guys probably know, there can be some extremes. And I had had just gotten saved. I mean, I was five minutes in the kingdom uh, when I was walking down the dorm hallway uh, in, in our dorm on this campus, and a guy was coming the other way in his PJs and had his toothbrush in his hand and saw me coming, and he stopped and, and, and kind of went like this. He was scanning me spiritually, he told me later. Now, I was five minutes a believer. I'm trying to figure out what's this Christian life about. So, I, okay, that's one piece I have in my head. I don't know how to do it, but it's a thing I got in my head. Then I go on down to the shower, and another guy is behind whatever the wall and curtain, you know, in the shower, and I hear him saying, yes, Lord, is that right, Jesus? That's Lord, I am so glad you said that. I'm thinking Jesus, you know, is in like the shower. I mean, talking to this guy. I mean, I, I've been saved five minutes. I don't know what's going on. Uh, another guy uh, would, would never finish the sentence without breaking the second half into tongues. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like a Burger King, you know. Well, I think I'll have the... And then he'd go on with the rest of you like, is that, the, is that what I'm supposed to do? I, I don't know. Um, oh, it just went on. And, and what really got funny, I'll tell you more about this maybe some other time, is when I, in my naivety, would try to emulate what they were doing without knowing what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'll just go ahead and tell you. I, I was on a wing with an African-American singing group, and a couple of them, while worship was going, would go, well, you know, like, and that kind of thing. And I, I just wanted to be like Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever it was. So I started... Well, you know, of course, I didn't have the thing. You know, I'd like, well, you know. And finally, they came to me and said, "Brother, could you just could you just be white? We just want you, if you could just be white and not think you have to be anything else, that'd be awesome." And so, but but you understand what's going on? I'm trying to be whatever this Jesus thing is. I know the way I've been living is wrong, but I don't know what this new thing is because it's so weird. And because people are living. And finally somebody said, some older believer said, each of these guys has a piece of something. But, but they don't have the whole of who Jesus is being formed on the inside of them. And they're driving some pieces to an, to an extreme. You understand what I'm saying? That, that if a guy is meeting you at 6 in the morning and scanning you like this, you know, he's, he's, he's got maybe a, an idea about discernment. He hasn't got the whole piece. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so... Uh, what, what I began to understand uh, is that there is, as Paul says here, a, a battle, kind of a struggle to have Christ 
formed in us. That's what we need, isn't it? We, we want the fullness of who he is. We want the whole of who he is. And Paul's indicating here that, 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 that there is a bit of a, a struggle, pain. He talks about it being like the, the woman giving birth. You know, women don't, I don't think, really like it when we talk about that too lightly because that's a serious, serious thing. But Paul uses that language and says, first of all, there's a process. Second of all, it's a battle. And third of all, we want the fullness of who Christ is to be born on the inside of you, to be formed on the inside of you and become an external reality. And I don't know about you, but I've lived too much of my Christian life at times in just maybe one part of who Jesus is, just maybe attached to one portion of it. I want the whole of who he is. That's what we need today. It's what the world needs to see in us, right? So I want to use a little illustration from Scripture that has always helped me, and I, and I want you to hold your Christian life up to it and see if it doesn't, this doesn't help you uh, round out. Because Jesus is presented in the four Gospels in four different ways. Now, they're all part of who he is, but, but there are four different faces of Jesus, four different facets, four different aspects of who he is. And we get this symbolism from the Old Testament. Let me just read you very quickly the Old Testament passages that sort of set this up. And all through the church, a history of the church, these four verses, these, these two verses from the Old and New Testament uh, have helped us understand this symbolism. It says in Ezekiel 1.10, and their faces, this is the middle of a vision, their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side, each had the face of a lion, and on the left, the face of an ox, and each also had the face of an eagle. Those, those four are there. Now, if that's all we had of it in the Bible, we probably wouldn't think much of it. But in Revelation 4, 7, it says, the first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Well, that reemphasizes it. And then people began to realize that these faces, these symbols, were connected to the way Jesus is presented in the four Gospels. And if that's true, then there are four natures of Jesus that are presented that we need to have formed in us as we are struggling, as we are working, praying, striving, crying out, doing all that we are meant to do so that Christ is formed Fully in us. So let's just talk about these four real quick, and you compare your life to them and see if uh, you don't need to round out, push into some portions of who Jesus is being formed in you that maybe we haven't, we haven't emphasized. The, the, first, the first gospel, of course, in the, in the New Testament is Matthew. And in Matthew, Jesus is presented as the king. He's the Old Testament Messiah uh, fulfilled. He's, he's, the, he's the king fulfilling uh, the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. It's written to the Jews. Uh, it's meant to convince them of who Jesus is as the king. And in the Gospel of Matthew, if you, if you go back and just read it in light of this, uh, Jesus is royal. He moves regally. He is in no rush Things will align with him because he's the king. People are coming to him saying, you've got to come right now. My servant's about to die. My daughter's over here. You've got to come. You've got to come. Jesus says, basically, I'll get there when I get there. Right? You, you ever watched a president or a prime minister or a king move through a room? They are not rushing for anybody. Right? The car will wait. The plane will wait. The universe will wait until they do their thing. Right? 
they, they move regally. They move royally. Hi, how are you? And lines form and security comes around them. That's Jesus and Matthew. People, I don't mean to say this humorously, people actually die waiting for Jesus to show up in the book of Matthew, right? I mean, and he's going, I'll raise them when I get there, right? I'm the king. Death is not going to, you know, I will move as I need to move. He knows who he is. He knows he's the king. He knows all the universe serves him. He knows and he moves regally through the book, fulfilling prophecy. It's like he can see the touch points. I'm moving over here. And then Matthew says, and this was to fulfill. And then Jesus moves over here and nobody knows why. Then Matthew says, and this was to fulfill because Jesus is moving regally through his destiny. Now, we're not the king and we're not Jesus in that sense. But that aspect of who Jesus is, is part of what we are meant to have in our spiritual lives, in our, in our lives in Jesus. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a son or a daughter of the king. You are part of a royal priesthood. You belong to a king and you have royal position and authority. That's not arrogance. That's not hyper faith. That's just the Bible. You have royal position. And Whatever else you've got going in your Christian life, whatever other gifts you have, whatever you've been mentored in, however you primarily serve in the kingdom, part of who you are, part of what you are meant to be, part of how you need to be living is that you stand in a royal position and you stand in the authority that you have and you know, as Paul said, who you are and who you belong to. And, and it flows from you into your marriage, into your home, into your kids. You know, this is my house, and we will serve the Lord. This is, and I don't mean this in a possessive sense, right here on the front row, my wife. The enemy will not, you know what I'm saying? You know how you pray? You stand at a position. I'm her husband. I love her. We are covenanted. I'm a believer. You stand in a certain position before the Lord. And, and, and as you look at events, that is not, oh, God, please have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, there's a place for that kind of prayer. Don't misunderstand. But there's also, once you become a believer and you know who you are, you are standing in the authority and the power of who you are as a believer. I don't know where my kids are tonight, but the enemy will not have them. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what's going on, but God's put me in this neighborhood. Things are going to change. I'm Not because I'm anybody humanly, but because of who I belong to. I'm praying for my neighbor. You, you understand. I'm in this city. I'm in this job. I'm here. You understand it's not arrogance. What it is, is knowing who, how you belong to the king. Now, you may be primarily oriented towards prophecy. You may be primarily oriented towards other things. But that authority, that sense of who you are as a child of the king, is, it, is meant to be part of what's forming on the inside of you. you. You hear what I mean? And that's critical. That's critical. Because if you don't understand that aspect of who Jesus is, then you won't walk in it yourself. And so much of that has been taken in uh, extremes of faith movements and so on as arrogance and, you know, I'll just declare it or speak it and it'll instantly happen poof like magic. And we know that's not what Jesus meant. We know that's not how it happens. But you have to have that place in your life. You have to know who you are, 
where you stand, that the devil has no authority of you, that you are an ambassador of a kingdom, you know, that you belong to something powerful and authoritative and that God has positioned you and gives you a grace without you moving a muscle, right? You don't have to work it up. That's, that's what it means to be in that role. Now, that you've got to be growing in that. So, so look at your life. Is that like, well, I'm glad Pastor Brett has that authority thing or some other, some elder, but I don't have it. No, no, no. It's part of being a believer. It's not about, it's not about position in this church. It's about, it's about who you are as a believer. Well, now the second one is what? Mark. Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the gospel according to Rambo. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is Jesus as Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, maybe not now. Uh, you know, <laughs> may get struck by lightning for saying that. In the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark is written for the Romans. And, and the Romans are, I can say this because I used to be one, big dumb jocks, right? Little tiny pinheads, lots of muscles. I'm going to get pounded for that, I know. But, um, but Jesus, in, in Mark, Jesus doesn't say much. Very few words in Mark, lots of action, right? There's, there's like explosions and car chases and machine gun fire. You know what I'm saying? It's that kind of movie in Mark. It's, it's the word immediately, or maybe in your King James Bible straight away, is used 42 times. Why? Because Jesus is up and doing stuff. Jesus is healing one person, and then there's another need, and he's over here. You can almost hear the trumpet sounding and the music, you know, you know and he's over here, and he's healing, doing this. He's not saying much. Because the Romans can't really understand more than like two sentences a page. But, but, but they are, I mean, he's doing stuff. And, and the symbol of Mark is an ox, the, a, a, a servant, right? Because what's Jesus doing? He's serving people. He's showing that even though he is the Son of God, even though he's the Messiah, the Christ, he's serving needs. He's meeting needs. He's healing people. He's talk, he doesn't talk much, but, he, but he's ministering to people. He's casting this out. He's praying, getting that person healed. He's serving people. And, and so this is an aspect of who we are as well, that, 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 that we need, no matter what else we're called to do, to be able to serve. I do not, it does not matter, and I say this with love, if you are the highest and most accurate prophet on the planet, you, you, you still have to have the nature of Jesus to mow the yard of a neighbor in need, to clean a toilet. You understand what I mean? If, if, you, if we haven't got both, we haven't got the nature of Jesus. And, and, and it's not as though when you grow in Jesus, you escape the other one, right? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't grow away from being a servant. No, you grow into being more of a servant. That's what it means to be married. That's what it means to have children. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, be served. I came to serve. In fact, in the kingdom, it's those who serve who end up having the greatest authority. It's not those who are served. Being served is easy. I can serve. Anybody can be served. That's rather, that, that's easy, isn't it? But, but to serve. To, to, to be able to wash feet. Look what Jesus did, even on the last night of his life. He got down and washed feet. I mean, he, it's just, it's part of what needs to be forming on the inside of us. So is it? Is it? Or, or, or do you have in your mind, as I have had in my, in my Christian history, uh, do you have in your mind that if you get really anointed and, and really spiritually powerful, that it moves you away from the, the natural and the serving and the caring for people. No, 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 no. In the kingdom of God, even though you have this positional authority, spirituality is measured by how you serve others. 
And, and the greater authority you're praying for in your life is measured by, by whether you can bake a casserole for a neighbor or go. You know, not, you know I can name 10,000 things, but can, can you serve? Now, this church has a lot of that going on in it, but do you in your own individual life? It's part of what it means to have Christ formed in you because it's one of the faces that Jesus presented to us. It's one of the faces he wanted us to see, him at, in the gospel of, of Mark. Well, well, what about Luke? Luke is the gospel to the Greeks. And the Greeks were all preoccupied with who's, what's, what's the perfect man? What, what is perfection as a man? And, and so the gospel of Luke is about being human. The gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. He's very about the earthy and the physical and the natural. He doesn't just say the dude was sick. He, has a, he uses the Greek to say the guy's got a hemorrhage in his left femur or something. I mean, that's what it means. He's specific. And Luke is really human. It's got more poetry. It's got more. People break into song for like no reason in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, angels appear to human beings. A lot of crowd shots, as they say in the films. A lot of uh, descriptions of the emotions of the people. They were shocked. They were awed. They were aghast. I mean, he's got like 32 words for how the crowd responds, how people feel. Mary was afraid. Elizabeth was thrilled. All that human stuff is going on. And I don't know about you, but like I say, coming from the background of the charismatic Pentecostal movements, uh, I have at times had a kind of spirituality in my life where I thought that the more spiritual I became, uh, the less human I would be. That one day I might actually float on six inches of air. You know, and I'd just come to church. I would just, you know, uh, 300 pounds though I am, I would just kind of float in the room and people would go, he's anointed. He's, he's just less human than anybody I've ever met. That's, what I, that's kind of what I heard in the back of my brain. No. If you're growing in Jesus, in 10 years, you will be more human. You will be more connected on this earth. You will be more connected to other human beings. You'll be better able to hug, better able to laugh, better able to put an arm around somebody, You're better able to sit and weep with somebody who's grieving. Do you, Christianity is not an escape from being human. It's having Jesus free you to be fully human. And so to grow in Jesus... Uh, to have him formed in you is to be more human, more emotional. I don't mean in, in some uncontrolled where emotions are, you know, got, got you by, hooked you in the mouth or something. But, but, you know, being free, being free to weep, being free to, to dance, being free to, to laugh. You, you, you see what I'm talking about. And there are times I thought, no, 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 no. I'd seen some people who I thought were spiritual giants and they, they seemed, you know, to be, oh, you know, that kind of thing with a light coming down, you know, like a TV commercial. And, you know, and, and if you really got holy, you wouldn't wear clothes anymore. You just have like this aura of like the glory of God covering you. It would look, look like a robe, but really wasn't. I mean, I had all kinds of weird things. You know, angels would feed you breakfast or something. I don't know what. And, but, but somehow you became less human. And then, and then you look at who Jesus is and no. No, I think Jesus, I mean, I think Jesus was, was uh, the Bible kind of indicates, you know, he, he put his arm around children and he, and, and, he, and he laughed. I think he pushed Peter in the water. I think he started the food fights amongst the disciples. I, that's just my theory here, that he threw the first roll, you know? And maybe not. But, but, but you're more human. And, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, that's part of our presentation in the world. The, the Bible says, Paul said, you know, I, be, I become all things to people. All things, all what things, all Christian options, all the things I might be as a believer, all the faces of Jesus. Maybe the world needs to see less of the angry face of Jesus in the church and more of us being human and being servants. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe it's the lack of these four faces of Jesus, and there may be more, but these four that he wanted us to know that, that, that keeps us from connecting to the world. Something's going wrong. 
We are not having the impact on the world we ought to have. Maybe they need to see Jesus in boots. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they need to see Jesus in jeans. Maybe they need to see Jesus cleaning some toilets. And, and I mean, in, in the form of us. You know, and then, by the way, I had a dream about you last night. And bam, then we do the stuff right there while we're cleaning the toilets. And there's an ox in the room. I don't know how it all works. But, but somehow, it's all going to come together. And, and we just let Jesus be formed. Us. Let's talk about the last one. The last one's John. And John is prophetic and mystical and holy. The, the gospel's written to the church after some crises have passed and, and uh, Jerusalem's already fallen. And it's Jesus as the resurrected Lord. Now, this is the heavily prophetic Jesus. The gospel of John is almost all words. Romans wouldn't have read this book for 30 years. I mean, they couldn't have handled the number of, amount of teaching. It's 90% material that's not in the other gospels. Jesus is talking all the time, as he's presented in John, and it's, there are more vines and wheat and tares and birds and buzzards and branches and trees. It's highly symbolic. It's highly mystical. It's awesome. And that's part of our lives, too. See, some of you might be, excuse me for my mouth getting dry here, some of you might be really into Jesus as the servant, and you serve well, but that's not, that's not an escape from, from living in the high and holies, from knowing the Holy Spirit, from hearing his voice, from knowing what he's saying. You, you, you understand how, how that works. And, and, then, and then you might be deeply into, into prophecy. And I remember one of the guys that influenced me, um, or that kind of scared me actually initially when I first became a Christian, he didn't have just one translation of the Bible. He had one of those parallel Bibles. You know, it was like eight inches thick. He had, I think he had eight translations in one, you know, nine-inch thick thing. And he's the kind of guy who, who wanted to underline everything that was important in the Bible. Well, what's not important in the Bible? Maybe a couple of ephahs in the Old Testament or something or gophers or something. So he had everything underlined. And then what scared me was he had lines between the translations. And I was like, I'm just not worthy. I don't even know what I can do with this. Well, well you know, you, maybe you push into that area. Maybe that prophecy, end time stuff, high and holy, hearing the Lord, uh, you know, soaking in Jesus. It's awesome, but it's meant to be merged with everything else. There are four faces of Jesus. And as you grow, you'll grow in all of them. You don't just get a, a, a ticket to one quarter or one eighth or one sixteen of who Jesus is. You've got at least these four faces working. So, so, so just a few things as I sum up and then pray for you. First of all, th- this is what it means to have, to have these natures living in you, to have these natures forming in you and increasing in you is what it means to be growing spiritually. To, to grow spiritually doesn't mean you become less human and, and, and more Holy Spirit to the exclu- or that you serve to the exclusion of being. It, it's, it's all of them. And if we met Jesus, I mean, if he appeared right here physically on this stage, because he, he has a body, if he appeared right here, you'd say, he's the most human person I've ever met. And then he'd be the most spiritually powerful person you'd ever met, right? And then he'd be the most, obviously, the most prophetic and symbolic and, and understanding of spiritual realities person you'd ever met. And then he'd walk out there and start working in the nursery or something. He'd be the servant. He'd be helping you. He'd be touching you. He'd be, he'd be wanting to know about your life. How can I help you? How can I serve you? That's the full Christian life. You don't have confusion. You don't have one to the exclusion of the other. It's what it means to be fully connected. And, and as, you know, as we're talking here, 
uh, in, the, in, our, in our campaign today about church planning and going and so on, I, I want to say that, that I'm not sure we're going to have the impact on the world we're meant to have until they see the full face of Jesus. He put it in four Gospels because that's how he wanted to present himself. He certainly wants his church to present it the same way. So help each other. Encourage each other in your marriages, in your friendships. Help, help, help the whole grow and increase. And remember that Paul said, I become all things. I become all things. And, and one translation of that verse says, I become whatever is necessary at the time. Right? Some people, some people to be reached need to laugh, and some people need to be held, and some people need to have a joke, and, but then some people need to have their mail read spiritually, you understand. And then some people need to be served and cared for it. See that Jesus doesn't hate them, or, or, or that you can have a, an elder in a church mowing the yard of a, of a, of a recovering alcohol, you know, drug, you don't understand, you, you, that they need to see that we're in lives and we're connected on the earth. We're living at an age of disasters and storms and hurting people and broken lives, and they need to see Jesus in full. They need to see who he is in full. They need to see people of spiritual authority who can clean toilets. They need to see people who can, who, who can have a laugh and bake some, cook some stuff right. And, and, then, and then at the same time, you know what I mean, uh, you know, you can do it better. And then, and then while they're sitting there stirring the beans, you know, the Lord told me something about you. And you're just, wow, this is what Jesus would be like. Come on. Father, in Jesus' name, make us a people with Christ fully formed in us. And let us have at least these four faces. There may be others, but at least these four faces that you chose to reveal yourself through in the Gospels become our reality. Let us be the people of royal positioning. Let us be the people of servanthood. Let us be the people who are fully human. And let us be, Father, a prophetic Holy Spirit-anointed people that we might reflect Jesus in this age and that we might grow up into the fullness of him. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said...